Part 3, Perry and Martin. Chapter 34, Prisoner Perry Penderwinkle. It was the dead of night, and Perry Penderwinkle lay on the cold basement floor with his hands bound together in front of him as he waited for Marcus's return. He'd searched the basement in vain for any means of escape, but the only door out was the one he'd come in, up the stairs leading into the kitchen. Unfortunately for Perry, the door was locked and bolted from the other side. When he'd first arrived, he thought perhaps he could cut his ropes and free himself. But Marcus would not be so careless as to leave something down here that Perry could use to his advantage. On the contrary, the large unfurnished basement was completely empty, save for Perry and the blanket and pillow that had been provided to him. The hours passed by at a snail's crawl down here, and without a watch or access to the outside, Penderwinkle quickly lost track of the time. To make matters worse, the two small windows in this basement had been covered with black paint long ago, making it impossible to know if it was day or night. And so, here lay Perry Penderwinkle, alone and at the mercy of his greatest enemy, Marcus Ingram. Perry doubted that anyone even knew he was gone. Anyone, that is, except Martin Nesson. But that was a little comfort. I wonder what happened to that nervous fellow, Perry wondered. He was in quite a state when Penderwinkle last saw him. Hopefully no further harm had come to the man. Nesson had been the only other person in the room with Marcus and Perry, and he was threatened at gunpoint. He could identify Marcus, and he even knew the man's name. But what was the use in worrying about this? Perry Penderwinkle had bigger problems at the moment. He'd now been down in this basement for two or three days at least, and he knew Marcus had no intention of letting him go. Perry was facing the very real possibility that he may never leave this dark basement again. At least, not alive. What an ironic end, Penderwinkle thought. Even after retirement, I still can't escape the service. Marjorie always said it would be the death of me, and now it looks like she may be right. Perry lay on the floor in silent contemplation. Marcus wanted information from him. More than information. Marcus wanted answers. He wanted evidence, but that was not something Perry could give him. Marcus couldn't really have thought that Penderwinkle would cooperate with him under these conditions, could he? You always were a fool, weren't you, Marcus? Perry thought. I'll not play your game. Not here, and not anymore. Perry heard a car pull into the driveway. The car door slammed shut. He heard the front door close and then the sound of footsteps above him, wandering through the living room, into the kitchen, and all through the house. Marcus had returned from wherever it was that he'd gone earlier. Penderwinkle knew that the man would be down in a few minutes to check on him, and, more importantly, to make sure Perry was still there. And so Perry Penderwinkle waited, but it was not for long. Only a few minutes later, he heard the click of the door unlocking and the sound of the door's deadbolt being removed. The door swung open, silhouetting Marcus in the doorway and casting a long shadow down the stairs. He searched for a switch on the wall and then the room was lit up by the few hanging lights suspended from the ceiling. Marcus casually walked down the stairs, stopping at the bottom to look at Perry. Perry, how are you feeling? Marcus asked. Never better, Marcus. I can think of no other place I'd rather be at the moment, Perry responded sarcastically. Marcus laughed, then said, I'm glad to hear it, Perry, but I think you should get some rest tonight. We've got a lot to talk about tomorrow. There are questions I have that need answers. 
and I'm hoping you can provide them. And if I don't feel like talking, if I refuse to answer your questions, Perry challenged. Besides, I don't think I have the answers you so desperately seek. We'll see, Perry. When tomorrow morning comes around, I think you may feel a bit differently, Marcus said, turning around to head back upstairs. Over my dead body, Perry retorted. Oh, Perry, let's hope it won't come to that, Marcus replied, looking back at him. Oh, one more thing, Perry. I wonder if you could answer one question for me tonight. It's about an old friend of ours. Perry said nothing, knowing that Marcus needed no encouragement to continue his incessant yammering. It's about our old friend Bernie Dotrice, Marcus said, in a tone that Perry did not like. I would very much like to talk with her, and I have it on good authority that you recently paid her a visit. The problem is I can't seem to get a hold of her. It seems as if she's gone missing. Vanished. Perry's face was hard, unmoving, emotionless as he listened. While inside his heart was racing, his temperature rising, and the back of his neck starting to sweat. Perry, you wouldn't know how I might find her, would you? Or maybe you know something in regards to her disappearance? Marcus asked, his tone full of insinuation. I haven't the slightest, Marcus. I haven't spoken to the woman in years, not since she retired. Penderwinkle lied. Hmm, that's interesting, Perry. I wonder then why your name was written down on a pad of paper found on her desk the other day. And isn't it strange that she had in her office a folder filled with news clippings, letters, and old documents from the service? Some of them she probably shouldn't have had. But the most interesting part of it, I thought, was that all of the documents concerned you, Marcus said, a sly grin on his face. Isn't that quite the coincidence? Perry was left speechless. He had no comeback. Good night, Perry, Marcus said, walking up the steps. Talk to you in the morning. Damn, Perry thought. You've been careless, Perry. Very careless. And what's all this about Bernie disappearing? The door clicked shut and the lights went out as Perry Penderwinkle was left once more alone in the darkness. But this time he was afraid. Chapter 35, Martin's Morale Across the street from his tall glass office building stood Martin Nesson. He'd not set foot inside since the day of the incident. Well, incidents, to be exact. Meeting Marcus Ingram at gunpoint had been the horrible conclusion to what had already been a terrible morning. Just thinking of that day still made his stomach turn. He couldn't imagine it would be any time soon that drinking any kind of alcohol was even remotely appealing. It had, in this case, turned his life upside down. Martin was turning over a new leaf, he'd decided, and that started today. The burden had been lifted, and soon the authorities, or British intelligence, or whoever, would capture Marcus Ingram, and Perry Penderwinkle would be saved. But most importantly, that meant that Martin Nesson would have his life back again. He crossed the street, and headed toward the glass skyscraper. Once inside, he made his way to the elevator and hit the button marked 47. There was a great comfort in being in this building. He could hardly believe it, but today he felt surprisingly happy, excited even, to be returning to work. Today was going to be a good day. The doors opened and he stepped out onto the floor, 
giving a wave to one of the receptionists who greeted him with a smile. Good morning, Trees. Nice to see you, he said, feeling quite chipper. Morning, Mr. Nesson. Welcome back. Welcome back indeed. Lady, you don't know the half of it. Nesson continued through the office, giving out a chipper. Good morning, or polite smile and nod to anyone who even remotely seemed to make eye contact with him. He took a right, turning down the hall leading to his office, remembering as he walked all the work he'd missed over the last few days. Martin would have a great deal of catching up to do, but today it didn't seem to matter. It was only work, nothing to get too stressed about. Martin reached in his pocket and pulled out the key to his office, but as he went to insert the key, he realized the door was already unlocked. He was always forgetting to lock up after he left. Rolling his eyes, he pushed the door open and walked in, only to find himself staring face to face with a man he'd never seen before in all his life. He froze. Mr. Nesson, the stranger asked. Yes, replied Martin cautiously. You'd better close the door, the man said ominously. We need to talk. Martin Nesson had a feeling this was not going to be a good day after all. Chapter 36 Penderwinkle Ponders Perry could not sleep. At this moment he didn't want to sleep. Ever since Marcus's last mention of Bernadette Dotrice, Perry had been on edge. Bernie, was this some game Marcus was playing, trying to get in Perry's head? Of course, he'd known that Marcus Ingram would eventually go for Miss Dotrice, but he'd not expected him to get so far, and so quickly. He'd made it into her apartment and been through her files. What else did he find? Perhaps nothing. Until now, Marcus had barely spoken to Perry, hoping the isolation, the cold and the darkness would wear him down. But if that was the best he could do, then he had wildly underestimated Perry Penderwinkle. Damp basements, a sprained arm, and hours in darkness would not be enough to break him. He was made of sterner stuff than that. Suspect he'd like to put this old horse out to pasture. Well, this old horse has got a few more derbies in him, and these hoofs still have some kick left. I'll not be retired yet. It was then that Perry Penderwinkle considered for the first time the possibility that perhaps all this time alone was, in fact, getting to him. The hell am I talking about, old horse? Good Lord, Perry, get a grip on yourself. If Marjorie could see you now. Marjorie Penderwinkle, the cause of so much pain and turmoil in Perry's life. The reason that he and Marcus were caught up in all of this mess in the first place. The reason he now lay tied up in this dark basement. Oh, Marjorie, was it all worth it? Even now she haunted him from the grave. Her memory an ever-present reminder of the life to which he could never return. Yet every day that she was gone another part of her seemed to fade away. The fond memories seemed to be the first ones to go. As time passed, Perry was left more and more with the painful memories, the disappointments, the betrayals, the anger. There were days when he remembered Marjorie and his heart was filled with affection, but there were as many days when the thought of her sparked only bitterness and resentment in him. Today I miss you, Marjorie, but I cannot promise the same tomorrow. Sometimes I wish that I could be rid of you, but you seem intent on haunting me. In death as in life, he could not escape Marjorie Penderwinkle, no matter how hard he tried. 
drawn to her like a moth to the flame, he knew, in the end, that she would be his undoing. And yet he was hopeless to stop it. Till death do us part, I suppose. Well, I'm not dead yet. Perry shifted on the floor, rolling over onto his side. The radiator had turned on, rousing him from his reverie. He felt the cool floor beneath him as his skin touched the concrete. A shiver ran up his spine. Perry once again lay in the silence, eagerly anticipating the coming of the morning. I suppose I should try and get some sleep, he concluded, as he closed his eyes and thought again of Marjorie.